Welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of your life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our Catholic coaching programs for women, The Genius Podcast and our other online courses and resources. If you are interested in learning about any of these initiatives, can I invite you to visit our website www.geniusproject.co or follow us on Instagram genius underscore project underscore daily or you can view the live recording of these interviews on the Genius Project YouTube channel. If you've liked what you've heard on the podcast, please share the link with your friends and could I ask you to go onto the podcast platform and leave a rating and a review. This just really helps to support the work of the Genius Project and the podcast. Ladies, next week we are kicking off a new cohort for the Catholic Women's Masterclass. This is an incredible four-month journey of transformation where we really deep dive into how you can develop some rhythms of renewal in life that will see you living a life of balance and wholeness in Christ. This masterclass has been life-changing for so many women over the past 12 months and this will be the last group that we run for this year. So if you are interested, please visit our website www.geniusproject.co and check out the masterclass page or you're welcome to send me an email if you have any questions, karen at geniusproject.co. On today's episode of The Genius Podcast, I am joined by Michelle Gower. Michelle actually went through the first cohort of the Catholic Women's Masterclass, and she's going to share a little bit about that experience, but she's going to share her testimony. We're going to talk about, I guess, the role that COVID has played in our lives over the past couple of years, and how we have set up probably some negative habits to help us cope and survive those years, and now what we can do, I guess, to dust those cobwebs away and to move into the rest of the year. Michelle shares with us a realization of her coming to understand that God loved her and that no matter what she'd done in her past, everything could be forgiven and that God could restore even those darkest areas of her life. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Michelle. Well, Michelle, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's fabulous to have you as a guest joining us from up the central coast in New South Wales. So welcome. Thank you, Karen. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's so lovely. I connected with you last year through the Catholic Women's Masterclass, and we're going to talk a little bit about that experience in a moment. But I just, you were in my first group to come through the Masterclass, and your group has a very special place in my heart because it was such a lovely group, such a lovely group of women. But your story, particularly in your testimony, really impacted me. And so we're going to talk a little bit today around, I guess, how God can use, I guess, the broken places of our life or even our journey if we've gone off course to bring about his glory and his purpose. But before we jump into that, can you share a little bit with our listeners about who you are, where you live and what you're doing at the moment? Yep, so I'm um, a mum of four. I've been with my husband for 28 years. We've been married for 20 years this year. Um, I have four kids ranging from 11 to 22. Um, uh, So I live on the Central Coast and I work with youth and young adults in the space of mental health, wellbeing and development. Um, And I also support mums with kids with autism and I'm part of our family uh, Catholic 
uh, printing giftware and homewares business. Are you? There you go. I didn't actually know that about you. Yeah, yeah, just anything to do with the faith and well-being and things like is just uh, right up my alley. So I, yeah, I like getting involved in things like that. So what is that business that you're doing? So it's we actually uh, help Catholic businesses and individuals uh, get their message out on uh, products and different things. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, so and then we sort of develop our own mangers and help other people do it as well. Yeah, wonderful. And you're doing a lot yeah. of work with youth, aren't you? That's a real passion of yours, especially in this mental health area. Tell us a little bit more about that work. I do. That is my that is my passion, my number one passion, yeah. I think, helping them from a spiritual basis as well as a hands-on basis. Mm. So I, have, uh, I do individual counselling and uh, pastoral care work uh, from my from private practice, North Gosford. Um, and I sort of, it's a blend of mentoring, coaching, chaplaincy, counselling, whatever the young person needs at that time. Um, and then I also founded a youth charity, which we're um, in the process of getting up and running on the Central Coast to try and have a place for mental health support for essentially kids, like from a Christian perspective. Yes. So, yeah. and um, which is yeah, so important love. and so needed, isn't it? It is. They don't have a lot of places to go and they've, they've been through a lot, especially the last couple of years, and we're just starting to see a lot of it now. A lot I, of I agree. Really, yeah, hard, yeah, it's been hard times and it, it's suffering. It's in abundance. I, there's so much self-harm, suicide, and just so much going on. Mm. Um, it's like a delayed response to the last couple of years. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we can get into that survival mode when we're in like a crisis just to get us through and then all the walls do come tumbling down. I think that actually catches people by surprise. I used to be an oncology palliative care nurse and I remember a lot of the families sharing that that first year of diagnosis and treatment was hard, but it wasn't nearly as hard as the year they went into remission, which I found really interesting but it's like they were carrying so much strain and trauma and just grief and pain just trying to survive and get through and then the walls do come tumbling down and I think it's a good thing to highlight in this episode for people for the youth but also for women right because yeah. it has I think you're right like people holding it together just getting through getting by dealing with things and now it's that life's relatively back to normal to a degree for some it's not like it's actually all that all that essentially trauma from the last couple of years is coming up and it's coming up like mm-hmm. in tenfold to what they've had to go through. Yes, I'm definitely seeing it in my coaching with women, like people are just heightened anxiety, women who've never really had anxiety disorder but are experiencing that at the moment. Um, just I guess a low-grade depression, like not yep. clinical depression but this low-grade just dullness and I don't know. It's just this heaviness that's upon people. I mean, globally, we're sort of living it through some pretty interesting times still. And I think all of there's all of these layers, isn't there? There is. I think there's, and you're right because people have anxiety that never had it. You know, I've spoken to teachers that never had anxiety that suddenly have it, and and so it's not just young people. It's you know, and then people with their incomes are they going to be secure? And then there's this sense of blah. Uh, like life is just blah. Is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? It's the unknown. And that just puts people in this state of survival, just still sort of surviving, a bit happier, a bit less, you know, maybe scared, but still not sure. It's this coming. heightened. Um, it's this heightened sense of just that fight or flight, isn't it? Like it is. getting ready for the next 
thing. It is. And it's continuous. It's just it keeps going and going and going. And you can't actually live like that. And then when you do stop, it just sort of hits you or you keep going. Like it's and then you know there's all repercussions of that. So it's just it it really is. And there's no one, I actually don't think anyone will get out of this unscathed, Mm. so to speak. Like everyone has their um war stories COVID yeah they do they do but then there's a lot of strength a lot of good things that people have realized they can come out of this and they have grown and all these other great stories that you know I always remind people there's it's been hard but it can also be really good if you use and learn from it and and if you have the support if you try and come through on your own it's difficult if you do have support they're the the people that have support the ones that come through it Mm. are much better like yeah much more intact it's interesting. I was talking to some people um, the other week. I was up in Sydney and they're like, oh, we just loved COVID. We had all this quality family time. And and I was just looking at them going, that is completely not my experience. <laughs> because, I mean, we have a great family, but we yeah. were scrapping for every moment, trying to work while holding yeah. a business together and homeschooling. And, oh, my gosh. So, I know. yeah. It I, was different for everyone. And I know people, you know, it's like, People saying you just got to stay home, and I said home's not safe for everybody. For some women, it's not safe. For some youth, they're actually safer at school or at the sports club or yes. wherever it is, and they've been told you stay home, and they're like, I'm fearful to go home. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It's for us, it's fine. My my home was safe, you know, mm-hmm. and and you know we get on each other's feet, but we actually all really get on. So we it wasn't too bad. We had our moments, of course, cabin mm-hmm. fever sets in, but for yeah. us. We didn't have that fear of being home. Others, the idea of being at home every day was it's very traumatic. Hey? Absolutely terrifying for them. Mm, so yeah. it's it's yeah, different. I mean, the different experiences for everyone. Yes, um, they are. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we filmed the Real Women series for Shalom, and and one of my good friends was one of the guests on it, and she said we really need to start getting rid of the COVID cobwebs. Yeah. And I, I thought about what she said. I thought it's true. She she picked up on this idea that everybody, no matter what our story or experience, have developed some really bad habits just to survive, just to get through. Like I look at some of my kids who we were really anti-tech family, even though we have a media company, but our kids were never on telly, never on iPads. And then COVID came and they're sitting on a computer all day for school. Then they're, you know, socializing and recreating. And we're having to really wind that back um, for a couple of the kids and it's challenging. But there's all these other bad habits that we've developed. Like some people have just decided that they don't really need mass or community. And they don't really yeah. need to go back to these things because it's such an effort to get out of the house, that blah yeah. you were talking about. It is a blah. Mm. Yeah. So what are some of the bad habits that you're seeing, I guess, that people... My own family, myself, or just in general? In, in general. I think there's so many, it's hard because there's so many bad habits and so many good habits that have come from that when people realise what they were doing. So for me, I think it's, um, in fact, I think it's a, a lot with that tech sort of... Um, issue as well I yeah I did say to my kids you need to use this time productively so you need to stop and so they actually design their own game and they're going to take that to market and things like that so what was a bad habit they've actually used to do something productive with and I think other people will do that as well um but I think it's I find a lot of excuses now still a couple years on and it is still there's still trauma and there's still reasons but I find that there's excuses not reasons being used for lots of things Mm. um and that for not taking responsibility or not acknowledging something oh but during COVID or you know oh because of this Mark I I actually get that but we're now a few years 
into it. And if you keep doing that, you'll be here five years later with the same issues. And the same um, story. And the same story. And you do have to, and it, you have to work through it. We've all got to work through things that we didn't ever think we'd have to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really difficult. But I think if you realise that you've got that it is an excuse, maybe not a reason. And I'm the same. I'm like, oh, but this. I'm like, oh, it's actually not good enough anymore. <laughs> you know, it, it's like we're all human, we're all the same. But I think it's the um, the excuse for not doing things. Yes. Um, not not trying point. to overcome something that's maybe happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't mean a deep emotional wound. Mm-hmm. It's just those those um, bad habits you got into. It's like, oh, I got into that because of COVID. It's like, okay, so what's your reason for getting out of that? Like, what is it? Um, yes. What are you going to use as your reason to leave that one behind? Well, so. I, was just, I was sharing with you before we went to air just this jacket that I'm wearing. <laughs> it's, it's much tighter than it used to be before COVID. And I think my excuse, just thinking about what you're saying, I'm saying, oh, well, you know, I've had to work and it hasn't been as much time for exercise. But I think, yes, I, I've I started getting out the last couple of days trying to walk. And I've had my foot in a moon boot. So I was sort of. Oh, thinking, but so that's a reason. That's not an excuse, Karen. That's a reason. Oh, I know, but. Jonathan did challenge me. He said, well, you can go to the pool. There are other ways. Ah, hydrotherapy. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's it's a very good point that you're making. And just the challenge there is to examine, I guess, take an inventory of where we're at now and what are we going to carry into this next 12 months? And, I, and I'm the same, I, you know, I often mentioned to you my weight fluctuates up and down and I see people come out of COVID like with these new exercise regimes. I'm like, oh, that was I so me. did not go that way. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, I'm that way. I'm like chocolate. Yes, my, my, yes. my downfall chocolate. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Then I was like, it's actually not my, it just made an issue that I already had a bit worse. It, it didn't start because of COVID, you know, I'd always sure. had that sort of battle, but it's the same. It's like I can't use that sort of thing anymore like I actually have to either acknowledge I know I need to yeah do something or I'm just choosing not to do it right now I have you know and I've have I've had said that some the other day I'm choosing that it's not a priority right now and I have to just deal with that and then I will so I have to then stop complaining about it because I'm actually choosing (laughs) to not do anything about it it's very convicting. Oh, <laughs> that adulting oh, thing that you I know. Acknowledge. That's that's a bit rude. Now you were we met actually last year, didn't we? During lockdown, and yeah. we met due to the masterclass that we're running through the Genius Project. Can you share a little bit about, I guess, where you were at and what drew you to the masterclass? Uh, I was at a really probably kind of low place. Not, I wouldn't say as far as depression or anything, but just trying to yeah keep a business up and going. Um, having you know four kids at home um husband was laid off in um in COVID so we and we have a mortgage and it was uh, so much and I just I couldn't I just didn't feel like it was ever going to get any better and I remember I was sitting on the bed crying actually like I just can't do this guy that I just oh it just sort of worries me but Mm. generally for really good reasons and I just was like just do something just send me something I just I need some help um, and then it was an ad for your masterclass came out and I couldn't tell you if I was on social media, if uh, like, I, I don't even know to this day, it just happened one of those things that God goes, here you go. And I went, oh, okay. And I'm like, I don't have that money, but I need something. So, okay. <laughs> Hello. Because I did, you know, without my husband's income, mortgage, like I really, it was a, a moment of selfishness. Like I can't send the money on me. Then it's like, I actually have to, because I need to get past this. And this is clearly what, you know, it's meant to be. So I signed up for it and then I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this now, <laughs> doing this now. That was exactly what I needed. It? it was exactly what I needed. It was just 
perfect timing. God's his, his hands all over it. And it was, you know, had I've hesitated and actually logically thought through the finances and the time and what I was going, I probably might have not, but because I just went, you know what, I asked for help. This popped up. Um, and it was perfect. It was for women and it was faith-based, um, you know, and so I just sort of went, I'll give it a shot. And, yeah, it was just, I'm so glad I did say yes. You were such so, a beautiful group. I it just, was. Yeah, it was really I loved special. It. Tell me what was your big takeaways and I guess what stays with you 12 months down the track? I think there was actually a few, um, and I'm sure it even changes when I reflect back over the time, but one of them was having all ladies from all walks of life in all different situations with all different faith backgrounds, but we all got on. Like it was just so... Mm-hmm. Is edifying the word? I don't know. It's just that we all just understood that we all have different lives and different choices, but we were all there for each other. And we, you know, we're happy when something happened and we're sad for someone else and we understood each other's sorrows. And it was just, I think you only get that. Well, I could be wrong, but, you know, I think it's really big in a faith group, like because we can understand that we don't have to agree and we can have different choices and different experiences and that's okay. Um, so that was really good for me and seeing people new to faith and people who've been raised in it and raised their kids and grandkids in it. I learned so much as well. Um, that was just really, they were all just really beautiful women. Like, how do you get this many beautiful women all in one group just by chance? And then it's like, it's not by chance. God it's sort of ordained thing. it. Yeah. yeah, it was a God thing. Yeah. Um, so that was just really lovely to, to bear in mind. And I think for me, it really got me over my schlumpy period because mm-hmm. I did hear other people's issues and I start to think maybe mine's not that big or even if it is it's okay because we've all come through different things and I forget that sometimes Mm. um it was really really good um I think the main thing was a connection that was quite quick as well like it wasn't like we had to work together for six months before we started no it was quite amazing wasn't it yeah Yeah. and that's not I don't think that's very that's always common Um, but I think because we were sharing personally but also learning and growing through it and we had you there to support us it we felt quite I guess safe from the beginning so it wasn't like we had to trust each other for six or months and then we could share it was like sure. this is actually going to be a case that was really um that was really lovely way it was set up and yeah. it worked and the connection's so important. I mean, it's important at any time. And what I'm finding in the coaching of women is just still, even after lockdowns have ended, just a complete lack of connection with other yeah. people, other women. And we need that, right? Like we're relational beings and we are created in and for relationships. So we just, one of the things that I say to women is, getting rid of those bad habits of just being isolated. Yeah. Like actually starting to venture out and just taking a risk, like putting yourself out there to form new friendships or invite other women over to your home or somewhere for a coffee just to start rebuilding that connection because I think so much of depression and loneliness can be that that you know that heaviness can be warded off by just human connection. It can be. It definitely can be. And I think the struggle for a lot of people is also we sort of got in a bit of a rut with that. We could just pop on Zoom and, you know, half wear half decent clothes or whatever and whatever. And now it takes effort and it's, I think a lot of, like, you know, people's social batteries are just still low. Yes, it's just are. like, oh, I just, I want to, but it just mean effort. And it's yes. just, and you have to push that a little bit harder. What would have been easy, get dressed or I don't walk out the doors like, oh, I don't know, or, you know, oh, someone's invited me out. I would have said yes, but now I'm like, I just... 
Oh, it's too it, hard. It, it takes effort and it does take that building back up. But often when you get there, you go, I'm so glad I did this. Yeah. I'm so glad I stepped out and I bothered and I left behind all the different things that are on my mind because we're still battling things on our minds as well. Still yeah, things yeah. we're trying to patch up here and fix here and get on top of finances and get this going and kids still this. So we're still, we've still definitely got more than what we had, say, three years ago on our plate. Um, so it actually takes that conscious effort to go, I'm going to get dressed, get up, I'm going to send that text, organise that lunch, at least respond to another invitation. And then you get there, it's like, I've really got to do this more often. I know, right? It's, yeah. it's funny, we did this women's series in Canberra about two, three weeks ago and we had like 13 women come because there's 13 episodes and we interviewed them over four days and I just came home from that thoroughly exhausted but yep. thoroughly my cup was full. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Jonathan, I thought, oh, my gosh, I forgot how much we need this. Like I talk to people and I coach people, but those deep soulful connections and conversations where we just shared experiences and we walked through, I guess, all the different challenges that we all face as women, it shows up differently for each one of us, but there are universal things that we all battle. Yeah. It was just so edifying and I, I really want to encourage women to start reconnecting and just making that effort, like you said, just making the effort because I look back on that and think, oh, wow. It, at the start, I was like, this is going to be so much hard work, but yeah. it was so edifying to do it. Yeah. It does. And it makes a difference. And it does, like I said, it does for your cup. Like we have parish dinners sometimes and, you know, sometimes we'll be dressed up. We had an 80s theme a few months ago. Oh, fun. I was like, okay. Then it's like, no, you know what, we're going to do this. So we went out and we all got 80s outfits and we all went and it was the best night and there wasn't even anything it was just, it was lots of dancing and food and all lightheartedness. And we just didn't want to go home. Like they had, you know, one of the parishioners, the DJ, so he was there and, and they had the teenagers doing, um, oh, what's it, uh, musical chairs. Like they were so competitive, they're shoving each other off chairs. And, <laughs> but it was just like, oh, we need this. Gosh, we need this for our souls. Because yeah. it is that fun just, and there was no thought to it. No, like nothing heavy sort of came with it um yes. no. so you have those those really light-hearted fun moments like this is what life can be about and then you have this like you said those really deep soulful things that fill your soul that you go I'm being heard I'm listening to someone else like someone gets me I get your pain like we're in this together yes. and you need I think you need a combination of both um to to function yes you do properly yeah so no, it's, it's good that they're all sort of coming back Yes, it is. So, Michelle, tell me just another takeaway that you had from that masterclass. I know that pyramid of priorities really struck you. Is there anything else that you took away that was really practical, I guess, for your life? You know, testing your memory. 12 you years. are. 12 and it's like, no, and it's because some of them are sort of becoming ingrained habits and I don't even think of it as being something that I learned just in that class. It's just um, something that, I do or that I sort of think about now. I think as well that the priorities, because they've changed over the last few years, you know, like if we go pre, like I said, three years ago priorities and then over the last two years priorities and now priorities. Um, and I think it's easy to just sort of get swept up in what the world wants you to do and what you th mm. you're meant to have a meant to be a priority as opposed to stepping back and going, you know, first there's God, there's husband, there's family, like there's, and sort of bear those in mind, so even though this might seem urgent or really important, oh, is it? Is it actually? And is God? Is that what God wants me to put my time? Because it might seem godly or holy or for good for someone helping someone, but is that where God wants me? Or is that where He wants to spend, spend my time at the moment? So, mm -hmm. um, and that sort of was a really good. I think priorities are always sort of good, but sometimes we need a reminder to make priorities and what those ones should be, rather than what 
we we think they should be what other people think they should be yeah absolutely um, and the self-care one had you undone a little bit didn't it uh, yeah I was going through a stage feeling extremely guilty for self-care mm-hmm. I just like my whole family's struggling finances are tight we're all trying to figure stuff out and here's me thinking oh I need time for me I, I really struggled with that and I think I probably brought me to tears yeah. remember whether it was when we were together whether it was after we switched off yes um yes. but it did bring me to tears and I, I and I do struggle with that generally um but in that time it was like how can I have time for me when my family's suffering in so many ways mm-hmm. it just seemed yeah something um it'd, it'd be good to speak into that because this is a universal struggle I think for a lot of women of just feeling mm-hmm. like they're at the bottom of their to-do list and yeah. they feel like they're not worthy or that everyone else's needs needs to come before theirs. But when we mm-hmm. worked through that pyramid of priorities, it was our Eucharistic relationship with Christ first, then our relationship with ourselves, then our husbands or vocationally and then our work. And yeah. we can't give what we don't possess. And so it's going to cost you if you don't do self-care. It might cost you if you do do it in terms of time or money, but it will also cost you an awful lot more if you don't do it. And I, I know. And it's funny because I say that to other people, like working with mental health and being, I say to them, you, you, you have to, like, God calls you to look after yourself or, you know, you are worthy and you need this and, and it's important for you. And then he's me, the hypocrite, you know, I just I can't. <laughs> like, I just can't. So yeah. it's easier said than done sometimes. Yeah. And that was the thing I, putting myself above other things didn't, it just didn't, like I knew it, but I didn't know it. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I knew it on paper and I knew there's something to do, but putting it in, knowing it and believing it and putting it into action is very different. Absolutely. Um, so that's what I was like, but I can be down the bottom for a while longer, you know, no one's going to know and what does it matter? And it's good to do this. And I had a lot to work through um, in that sort of thing. Yes. So. No, it was a beautiful journey. Now, Michelle, one of the things that really struck me as we walked through the masterclass together was in each fortnightly group coaching call, you would share a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more about yourself. And your personal testimony is incredibly powerful, just of the journey, I guess, away from faith, coming back to the Lord, because so many Catholic women have been raised Catholic and, mm. you know, they've just marinated in this. And sometimes there's not that wonder and awe. There was another woman in our masterclass group that you were in who came to the faith you know much later in life in the last sort of 12 months and her experience and her joy I don't know if you remember but it was it just made me happy watching her it made me excited about the faith again because she was discovering all of this stuff for the first time but I'm wondering if you can take us through a little bit of your journey because it's quite a powerful story of how God can Sometimes I think sometimes we can think we're disqualified if we make particular choices or we walk away from the faith or we go off course that we can't mm-hmm. come back. But God can bring anyone back. He can restore and redeem anything, any part of our life. And that's been your personal journey. I'm wondering if you share a little bit of your personal testimony with us. Sure, yeah. I So I wasn't raised um, with a faith. I guess I was baptised, Church of England, and my brother was, and my mum was Catholic, my father was Church of England, but that was sort of the extent of it. Um, went to church a couple of times with family friends, but that was that was pretty much it. So my family were very good. They volunteered a lot. They helped out in their community. Uh, so good people, but just not, I guess, Christians. Um, so I never really had any uh, values to follow or any reason to believe in anything that wasn't just for my family, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um 
And so I, I did get a fellowship when I was a teenager. Um, that was a bit of fun, and, but I never, it was never anything. It was, and it was a subject I learned at school. We did scripture and we did religious studies. That was just a topic. Um, and then I, my father died when I was 18 on my year 12 graduation day, actually, after my year 12 formal. He had a heart attack and I was with him when he passed away. It was his, his one and only one ever. And um, that threw me a lot. So um, I remember saying that, like, no God would take the father of an 18-year-old on her graduation day. Mm. Um, and if there is a God, well, he's not very nice, so... I'm done. Like, and, you know, not that I had a, a big God thing, but there was still that thing maybe. And that's when I went, well, I don't like him. And if there is one, if not, it doesn't matter anyway. Um, and up until that point, I'd made lots of, I was, a typical, I was a typical teenager. Well, I would call a typical teenager. I was drinking a lot and partying and, um, you know, but then also I, I volunteered a lot and I coached younger kids. So I, I just did what I, I essentially just did what I wanted to do, um, you know, and I wasn't a bad person in that eye, in those eyes, but I wasn't good probably so much in God's eyes. Um, and then that was the day when I went, yeah, like I, I don't care. So I think that was probably a, um, a definite moment mm. of a faith, I guess, sort of separating myself from God. Yeah, um, yeah, very intentional choice. Yep. Yeah. And I, funny enough, I actually don't think I knew what I was doing. It was just a, of course not. a, a reaction to... Like the situation, having my father have a hard time beside me in the car while I'm driving him was just, you know, so I was like, right, you know, and I was sort of pretty clear cut with things. Yeah. Um, sort of, so it was like, well, that's that out of my life, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, oh, having no idea what it actually meant, really. Yeah. And so then, I guess, what was your journey then, I guess, coming to faith again later in life? Yeah. So I, I didn't really have much faith for a while. So I met my husband when I was 17 when I was still at school. So he was, um, we were dating when my father passed away and he was from a Catholic family and I just loved him. I, he was just very different to all the guys I hung out with. He was very respectful. He was a little bit quieter. He didn't really smoke. He didn't swear as much. He just, something about him. Um, and I loved all my friends, but it was just, he was just a bit different to them. Um, and his family was very conservative to what I thought. Um, you know, they didn't speak over each other and they just, they, um, we're just a lot more quiet and conservative. And I just, I was quite, I was still, I found it strange. Mm-hmm. You know, we had quite a, a loud sort of family. We loved each other, but it was just, you know, it was just very different. Um, so it was sort of, it took me a while to get to know the Catholic faith. And, and we felt pregnant, actually. We, we'd been engaged for two years and we felt pregnant. And and I was like, cool, okay. Like, not expected, but okay, here it is. And it was, my husband's family was like, we have to get married. And I was like, why? Like, you know, so I, I didn't have a reason. We could either afford a wedding or a house. We, we sat down and went, we can't kind of for both. And I, I was like, well, I want a house. I want stability. Mm-hmm. I want to raise a family, you know, in our home. And, yeah, my hubby's family was like, oh, you should get married. And I was like, mm not happening. And my husband was like, I'm not going to push my wife, you know, so I'm not starting off our life together. Like, you know, obviously we're going to stay together. is just doing what everyone else wants, a lie, because it makes other people happy. Again, having no idea about faith or anything, it was just, you know, some Catholic rules that some people follow. So yes. so we didn't. So we, we bought a house, moved to Central Coast, and bought a house, and and um, we got married. Uh, Lockie was our page boy. He was two and a half. And then we went on to have three more children after that. So yeah. and that and was, yeah. So what was your moment, I guess, of coming to the Catholic faith and coming to, I guess, that encounter with Christ that made yeah. faith come alive for you? 
It, it was very slow because so we decided to send the kids to the Catholic school because um, I didn't have a faith and Rowan did. So I thought if the kids ever want to have a faith, it's better off they have their fathers than mine, which is nothing. So I would then attend masses and, um, and got to see people praying and people doing nice things for others in other countries and other um, schools and things like that. So it was it was a general, it was a very slow process mm-hmm. for me to start to learn the Catholic faith and be part of it. And I'd sit in mass sometimes and just like my tears, like my, I'd get tears in my eyes, but I didn't know why. I was like, something's going on, but I don't, I don't know what it, what it is. And so I just would ignore it. And um, and then I had, I was very much into the new age. So I was very much into um, crystals and tarot cards and clairvoyance. And that was my, that was my spiritual belief. Absolutely new, like the universe, things like that. So um, I actually had what was, I guess, would be deemed a mental health breakdown Um but it was a very big spiritual um, encounter, I guess, that um, I ended up in a, like a, I guess, a mental health facility for um, people and that's where God found me there and saved me. Um, and yeah, so that's where it went from everything new age, everything universal, everything spiritual, which now I know is dark but seemed like lightness at the time, to straight into the Catholic faith. And that's what God put on my heart was if you want to live, you need to convert to the Catholic Church. And that was really clear for you, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it was the the sun literally came out from behind a cloud. I remember sitting there through the glass because I wasn't couldn't get outdoors. And sun came behind a cloud and I was like seeking God with my heart, but I didn't know it. I was like, I just, if I get outside, God will save me. And you know, I was just trying to, I saw this Garden of Eden in the mental health ward and I said, I've got to get out there because God's out there. And so this big sun came out and then I went behind a cloud. I said, no, please don't go behind a cloud. And it came straight back out again. And I just had this, uh, still, it's, I don't share it often, but it's just so beautiful. It was this ex, like explosion in my soul. I, I, it was like warmth, this, like the sunshine just went off in my soul. I can't even explain it. And um it was like this boom and this light, just this warmth radiated for me. And it's like, you have the power. That's all I remember. But God said to me, you, and it was like he spoke to my heart. Mm. So it wasn't words in my head. It was, it was just somehow words on my heart. And it was, if you want to be, if you want to save you and your family, you need to convert to the Catholic faith. And, and like okay okay and I didn't it, I was still in extremely bad headspace mm. but from that moment on from that moment on okay. it was like this now I know it's grace but I didn't understand I was warm it's not a nice place being in one of those places and there's a lot of yeah like God can work in there but you know so so can the devil yeah. and there's a lot of it and people were trying to like just say things that would send me off track and that. And I just, it was this grace, nothing bothered me. I had at peace. Like I just didn't matter what anyone said. I wasn't affected by it. I was, I've never experienced it before. It was like this unknown peace. Wow. But yeah, it was amazing. So, so powerful, isn't it? And I think what you touched on is you were looking for something. Yeah. But sometimes the enemy masquerades as light and that's what you found, I guess, in New Age um, but then when you came, like you actually saw the real light 
Like you really, that change started a process of change from the inside out for you. It did. And it did start from the inside. It, it was this, and I think of that thing, you know, let there be light sort of that, that and that's what was that boom. And it was like from that moment on, it was a change, but I was seeking, I'd been seeking for many, many years. Yes. Excuse me. I just didn't know it. Mm. I was seeking clarity. I was seeking no, like to know what the future held for me, you know, some sort of constant, some sort of assurance, yes. um, some sort of direction, you know, and obviously with that did come, I wanted power and knowledge to, you know, to control what was going to happen in my life. Cause I had a lot of uncontrolling things happen. Yes. So I wasn't in control. So it was a way of seeking that. I just didn't realize the path that was taking me down, mm. um, you know, until it was, I hit absolute rock bottom. Yeah. Um, and I realized that seeking to have the, I was seeking those powers myself. Hmm. you know they don't come from a good place so and then it was it was an interior change from that moment on and it was p- painful and it was confusing and it was like nothing I've ever read about experience but God was with me every single step of the way and that's the only reason I know it's the only reason I'm here today hmm. is because he never ever left my Praise side God. Praise God. And he, he does that doesn't he he has the ability to reach in yep. and just get a hold of us yep and I remember friends saying way. that you, we don't leave, like we, he doesn't leave us, we leave him. And some certain words that friends would say that God was speaking through them when I couldn't even make sense of things just rang so true, yeah. you know, and it was that he, he's not letting me go. I was that one sheep, you know, that, that he did, that he, he saw something in me that was worthwhile, you know, saving me. I, Amen. I, so I, I don't know. You know, it's like why, but he did and he just, he, he was, it was just this absolute grace in a time of absolute confusion and darkness. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, you know, it was hell on earth. Like the things I saw, things that went on my mind yes, that I think were real that weren't, all the, you know, and he was just there. Yeah. Yeah. Every moment. Praise God. And then he, and then I guess walking out of that place, like obviously a recovery takes a very long time like after you've been in that place. But what were some of the keys or the insights that you had as you came out of hospital and then you started, I guess, this journey of faith? Like what were some of the things that really? So I guess there was, it was the initial, um, it was only, it was only like six weeks till I converted. Um, It happened to be kind of to Easter. And I I was told, no, you missed the RCI program, whatever. Anyway, I did find a church that converted. I had two RCIA lessons. And then I converted. And from that moment, oh, I don't even remember them. I think I might have had three. I can't remember now. Um, I just remember hearing the word grace and what it meant. That's all I remember from all of them because I wasn't in the right mind. But from that moment of my first, like my first Holy Communion, essentially, I just started to improve and heal. And my mind started healing. Physically, I could feel it. And, you know, all these voices that have been in my head were just getting further away, further away and less of them. And it was actually quite quick uh, I was on they put me on very heavy medication which made it worse so I took myself off that and that made it sort of helped me a lot actually um and then I decided for healing I go into mass so every weekend I would go sometimes during the week I, my friend taught me about the rosary and what it was and how to pray that I read the bible I listened to Christian music all these things I never would have touched in a heartbeat I think before wow. <laughs> I was doing it all and it just his healing just, it was slowly, it was painful in a way because I was up and down. I would have a cross on and I'd rip it off because I couldn't stand it being in my skin. And then I'd clamor for it an hour later because I needed it. Um, so it was actually, it was a battle. It was absolutely a battle. Um, mm. 
And I, I think that's it's something to remember. And just touching on this, I guess, you know, there is a role, like faith and spiritual direction formation is so important and the yep. power of God to heal. But he also gives us, I guess, mental health professionals, doesn't he? And, and in some cases, medication to help on that yep. journey. And, and sometimes it's a mix of therapy and God's grace and all of it coming together in a powerful way. But it's just been incredible. And I know throughout the masterclass, listening to those layers of your story was really powerful for other women, particularly women who I guess felt like they were too far gone or women who feel like I can't overcome this. This is insurmountable. But I guess your testimony really showed them that you can. Like it's just one day at a time, little steps. Just and it was little, little steps and it was God putting the right person. Like you're saying, it's a, it's a, a combination. And I, don't, I actually don't believe it's the same journey for everyone. We, no, all, right. it, we all find our way and God puts the people in front of us and what we need for us for our journey. Yeah. Um, and my journey was very different to other people's journey. Um, but it was just what I needed and who I needed. Yeah. And it was a little step here. It was going to mass. And a lot of it was just trusting in him and going, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust in him. And he'd put a word in front of me or the right person. Um, or I would read something and that would get me through the next hour, you know, and then I'd something through the next night. And then it was just this slow by slow, because I didn't even understand a lot of the faith. Um, but it, it, it came back to something so easy, which was trusting in him that he wouldn't leave me, mm. um, you know, and that the prayers, prayers is extremely powerful, obviously, and then the people around me. Um, and, and I was in a very bad place. Like it, that's when people say, oh, you know, depression can't be overcome. Like, yes, it can. Oh, anxiety can't go. Yes, you can. Like it's, and it, it upsets me that people think they've got to live with something forever. I'm like, oh, if only you knew, if only you knew with the right support, um, whatever that may be, you know, it is different for everyone. And with the grace of God and with you trusting him and all these different things, you're n- never too bad a person. You're not, you know, there's nothing you've done that God won't like get you through. You're not, you know, you're not too far gone. You're not such, you know, um, too old or not good enough for this or none of that matters to him. He's like, I don't care. You know, it's, he just, he doesn't care. These things just come to me, come to me, you know, all you who are weary and burdened. And that's, I think it's just go to him, go to him. Um, yes. Yeah, there's no one that's, you know, beyond his care, his help and his love. Mm, amen. When we were talking before we went to air, you were talking about yesterday you had this encounter in mass where you felt him saying, let it all be for your glory. And I I want to just tie that into this idea of God using, I mean, it's very cliche, turns the test of our lives into a testimony, the mess of our lives into a message. And I think when we go through suffering as Catholics, as Christians, that we go through it with the hope that Mm -hmm. is in Christ and that hope that doesn't disappoint and also that he doesn't waste anything. Like none of the moments of our life, no matter what our story, even the darkest places of our story are never wasted if we're living a life of purpose in Christ and he can redeem everything. Romans says that all things work for good for those that love the Lord. Yeah, and I I love that. The idea of Henry Nguyen, he talks about the wounded healer, that sometimes the great wounds in our life or the great trauma or the difficulty that we've been through can actually become a pearl that is a gift that we can offer to other people to show them the way as they go through, I guess, the hardships in their life. Can you take me back to yesterday? You were in church and you, you had that sense of let it all be for your glory. How have you, I guess, encountered 
I guess this idea of your story, your mess in your life becoming a gift for others and how God's been glorified through that. Yeah, it was. It was, it was that song. And I can't remember now, but it was essentially God used everything that you've helped me through for your glory. And it just hit me. And it's funny because we're having this today. And I'm, I, I share my story sometimes and other times I don't, but I do it personally if I think it's going to help someone, especially with young people, because I was that young person that just made so many mistakes and was so oblivious. And I look at young people now, people are quite judgmental. Like, oh, the young generation today. I was like, that was my generation as well. So every generation has those young people in it. You know, stop. It's no different. And so I often, when I talk to them, say, you know, you might see adults that look like they've got together, but we didn't when we were kids and some of us still don't now. And that's okay. It's actually okay to make all these mistakes. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You know, it's you, God can redeem it and God can help you through. Um, and it's it doesn't make you essentially a really bad person. It's just those choices, try and make a little better choice. You know, just watch if what you do have choices, like a lot of people think, I don't have a choice. You actually do have choice, mm-hmm. which might not be an easy choice, but it, it's a choice still. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I can sort of say, you know, hang on, I was not a great person. I was kind. I love my friends. I did that. But I made so many bad choices and God still goes, oh, I love you, you know. And, and so I say that it just, so I, I don't, I love working with youth. Like I love them. They're just so cool and they're so authentic. And so when like, oh, but he does this and he does that, I'm like, what does that matter? Like how, how does that matter that they've made that poor choice, especially over the last few years, let them have that, you know. Um, and I just see when you do, when I do let them know that it's okay to make these bad choices, you know, it's okay that you have done that. It, it does sort of, they sort of relax a little bit and I think, and so I do share my story, you know, and I, I'm not proud of some choice I made, but it was. There were choices that I made. Um, and so I can use that to say I wasn't, because people go, oh, yeah, but you're a good Catholic woman. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you have no clue. You have no idea. And even now, it's like, I don't want to be a good Catholic woman. I want to be you know, a good woman in God's eyes. And I'm Catholic and I'll never, that will never change the day I die. Love our faith. Um, but there's no such thing as perfect. And I don't even want to try and be perfect. I tried that for years and it's just too hard. It's exhausting. <laughs> it is exhausting. So I do like, I just like reminding people that we've all got a background. You know, there's that quote that every saint was a sinner and every sinner can be a saint something. And I think that's so true. Like, so who cares where someone's at right now? Um, and so I just try and help them with my story, just going, if you had have known me. And that's why I think it's, I sort of work okay with young people because I'm like, and some of them know my story and they're like, yeah, but, you know, so I, I yeah. yeah, it just sort of works. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thanks so much, Michelle. I'm wondering as we close today whether or not you can share, I guess, a couple of pearls of wisdom for women listening today. What I see with women is they have so much expectations of themselves um, to try and do everything right by everyone. Um, And I just think it really should be between you and God because everyone will have an opinion on you. Everyone will have an opinion on what you wear, what you do, your family, um, how your kids are behaving, um, what you choose to do for work, all these different things. And I think it really does come between you and God. And what other people think of you is really none of your business. Like if I think if we let go of a lot of what people think or how do I fit in or whatever, we, and just be who God set us, you know, like put us in this world to be. Because mm. um, that's what he needs. He needs you to be who he put you here to be. There's a reason why every woman 
is on this earth and he's got a plan for every woman. Um, And then we get caught up in trying to be all these other things. It's like, just be who God wants you to be. And that's going to be different for everybody. And you don't have to be the same as that or as good as that or this type of mum or this type of business owner. You just be you, just be you. Um, And I think Catherine of Siena said it really well, be who God meant you to be and you will set the world on fire. I love that quote. Yeah, Yeah. so do I. Preach it. Yeah, and it's so easy to go, oh, but they're better at this and if I did this and something, it's like, oh, my gosh, like if God had wanted me to be just like that, he probably would have given me everything I need to be just like that. That's exactly right. You know, so, yeah. Fantastic. Now, just in closing, we are about to kick off a new masterclass intake. I'm just wondering if you can share your thoughts for women sort of considering the masterclass, what advice would you give them? I would just say go for it like I did. I think if you overstart, start to overthink, how will I fit it in? Can I afford it? How will I be perceived? What, what will women be like? Then you'll probably just find a reason not to. Um, and it is, it's hard to fit thing, like, things into our busy time. But just go for it. Like I, I can't imagine anybody ever walking around going, oh, I wish I didn't sign up for that course. I just, I cannot see it ever happening. Mm-hmm. So I would say just go for it. Don't overthink it. Just know that if this has come up in front of you, there's a reason and God probably wants you to do it and you will only get great things out of it with Karen and all the other women in it. I just, I've no doubt about it. Um, I just, I would honestly do it again. Like I would actually would consider, yeah, I would. <laughs> Oh, well, you can come again next week. I know. Because I'm sure there'd be other things I'll get out of it. Mm. You know, like there's always that need for growth. Yes. All and, uh, and and often I went into it and I think I just said that to you, I don't know exactly what I'm here for, but God must know because he's put me here. And I got so much more out of it than what I thought. And I'm sure that'd be the same for anyone else. They, they might not know exactly why they're drawn to it, yeah. but God knows and God will put the right words, the right people, everything in there to help, whatever it is. That is the need at the moment. Well, ladies, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Michelle Gower. If you would like to go further with some of the things that we've spoken about in today's episode, can I invite you to visit our website, www.geniusproject.co. As we mentioned, the Catholic Women's Masterclass will be kicking off a new cohort next week, and we would love for you to join with us. We spoke about self-care and the need to really invest in ourselves as women. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking something will cost too much money or too much time. But I want to ask you this question. What will it actually cost you not to do this? What will it cost you not to take some steps to make some really important changes in your life that could actually see you living a life of freedom and wholeness in Christ? If you'd like to find out more, please check out the page on the website. You're also very welcome to send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co, and I'm more than happy to jump on a call and answer your questions. Ladies, please also mark on your calendars the Catholic Women's Summit coming up on the 20th and the 21st of October this year. Registrations will open this week, and we hope that you'll be able to join us. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week, and God bless you.